You're listening to the Fayetteville 411 Podcast, produced by the City of Fayetteville, where you will get information about the city government and the programs and services they provide. You'll get topics of interest and an inside look into the various departments that help keep your city moving. I'm Lauren Beimer. And I'm John Salling. Thanks for listening in to the Fayetteville 411 Podcast. We have Brooke Redding, Special Projects Manager with the City of Fayetteville, and Chris Colley, Director of the City's Economic Community Development Department, and Shelley Hudson, Executive Director of the Cumberland Health Net, joining us today. How are all of you? Good. Doing good. Doing good. Doing good. And uh, homelessness is a growing crisis, not only locally, but nationwide. Recognizing this issue, the City of Fayetteville has implemented programs that offer assistance to those who are displaced and those at risk of becoming homeless. One of those programs is the Impact Reduction Program. Brooke, I understand this is a project you're heavily involved with. Uh, Can you start us off telling some about what this program is? Uh, Sure, John. Thank you. Um, The Impact Reduction Program is uh, a program based out of two years of work of city staff and local nonprofits that are part of the the continuum of care. And we have developed a program that um, followed a strategic framework of getting all ideas put together to actually shape out Uh, the mission and the purpose of this program, which is really uh, taking our collaborative partnerships and working with our community-based providers and other government services to identify, assess, and address health and safety risks associated with encampments that are on public property in the city. That's not limited to just public property, but the impacts of the program and its effectiveness can be exercised on that property, while the program also helps outreach elements see, identify, and assess other encampments located throughout our municipal boundaries or our city boundaries. Um, the ultimate mission is to use proactive engagement and encampment with the encampment residents, and uh, we strive to develop more feasible and sustainable measures that effectively reduce or eliminate the risks associated with those encampments um, and ensure the well-being of uh, both the safety of the individuals that are living in those unsheltered situations and uh, the gr- uh, broader community at, at a whole. Brooke, you mentioned that, um, you know, there's some collaboration with this, and and we know how complex and and how daunting um, homelessness, the the problem of homelessness and and getting people off the streets can be. I'd like to turn to Chris and, you know, talk about the importance of the collaboration on projects like this. Yeah, you know, that's one of the really cool things about the job that um, my department gets to do with the, the city is we're community and economic development and so we a big part of what we do is facilitate relationships with the community and with leaders in the community like Shelley and other nonprofit directors and and the folks who work with them to to really serve our community and and individuals who um, are are in desperate need in a lot of scenarios and so uh, as as we kicked this program off and and Brooke came and and said you know the city manager and city council were looking at this issue and it was an emerging problem and we needed to start trying to figure out what solutions we'd look at um, you know he came to me to to create those connections with those community leaders and so we brought in our continuum of care which is a group of homeless providers so the continuum itself is not really an organization it's it's a continuum it's a it's a spectrum of people who work with homelessness. And so all those people get together once a month or so and say what's going on, what's working well, what's not. And so one of the leaders in that continuum is Shelly Hudson, who's with us today here. 
um, her organization, Cumberland Health Net, she's a, a bit better positioned to talk about that. But um, they, they came in first off as outreach, and uh, they have a really strong street outreach presence that goes out and talks to people in the community. And we can see where a camp is, but to understand who the people are in those camps, we needed people who were better positioned than the city. And, and uh, Shelly and her team really, really took that on. Um, you know, that as we go through this program, you know, working with those relationships and, and figuring out, you know, who's best positioned to work with certain populations as opposed to others and who has resources, who needs resources and all of that, it, it, it becomes that, you know, collaborative effort of, of real honest conversations with these partners that come to work with us, not because they have to, but because they want to help the city to do right by the folks who are living in these encampments. Sure. And Shelley, as we're kind of saying, what is kind of the importance of this project and them bringing you uh, your side in on this? Well, for uh, Cumberland Health Net, um, going out with our street outreach team, what that what we do is we engage with the individuals that are unsheltered and try to get a better understanding of what their needs are and see how we can put them down the path, get them further along to fulfilling those needs. So without the street outreach team going out, we don't really know what, what their needs are. We can speculate, right? Of course, we know they need housing. But there's other needs that, so that we can address the holistic part of the individual. So we talked about the partners, Brooke. Can you, can you kind of talk about some of the partners that, that are involved in this? Chris talked about the continuum of care, and, and we have Shelly with us. But we know the Fayetteville PD is part of the program. Can you talk who, who all participates in this program? Yeah, absolutely, Lauren. So uh, the program itself is is just the process of, you know, helping those individuals once we're at the point to use it. But we have a task force. And so we have a homeless encampment task force that's comprised of the city manager's office, the police department, Chris's department with economic and community development, members of the fire department, parks and rec, public services department, human relations, and of your department, the marketing and communications department for messaging to the public. We have several external agencies that are also part of that task force. Uh, we have Cumberland County and some of their staff have attended and, and uh, participated. NCDOT, as a lot of the Department of Transportation right-of-ways and roadways are in our municipality or in our city, and those encampments are often on their location, so we work collaboratively with them. Uh, Cumberland uh, Fayetteville Continuum of Care, like Chris spoke to, but more specifically, Cumberland Health Net, Fayetteville Urban Ministry, PATH, the Project for Assistance and Transition for Homelessness, and several other uh, smaller nonprofits that collectively you know, try to make a deeper impact in the problem. All right. And is the program still developing as we see it today? What's kind of working? What's yeah, um, it is. So it's not a, a regimented, tight-knit program. Uh, we started doing something that the city had never done in its existence. Uh, and at the direction of the mayor and council, under the purview of the city manager, we started to move this program forward. And we've had to do a bunch of reviews after kind of each iteration we've gone through and learned new lessons. Uh, so uh, we have done two large encampments. Um, and each time we did a uh, review as a task force of what happened. And so we the, le the latest one we came back that uh, we needed to modify some of our risk assessment and the way we actually analyze the, the risks, uh, the health and the safety risks happening in there. Uh, we, we decided that 
not decided, but identified that communication and collaboration collaboration are extremely important, and so we want to expand our our outreach in terms of connecting with other partner services and Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, and other uh, government agencies that impact these types of, of individuals. Um, that human humanitarian considerations were uh, require a high level of sensitivity, and so we need to you know, exercise you know very prudent judgment in terms of how we engage with and how we protect their information and their interests um, and their their rights. Uh, and that housing solutions demand creativity and flexibility, which Chris's department is actively tackling. Um, and that w- there was a continuous um, evaluation for process improvement, that we would never stop looking at the program, evaluating what we did, how we did it, and how we can improve it. And so that's really the, the loop we had. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to add to that, that those, those after-action reviews have been critical. But one of the, the coolest things that we have seen through this entire process is the, the folks who are involved when we actually start in, engaging with these folks and reality becomes extremely real. Um, the creativity that we have seen, the passion, the late nights that some of our partners have worked in order to try to help people find solutions that aren't easily presentable. You know, we've we've had some some very, you know, heartfelt conversations about individuals and what it was going to take to help give them a shot to become stable. And, uh, the, you know, Brooke and I get, get to do this stuff and, and we're city employees and, and that's great. There, there's so many volunteers that are involved in what we do that don't get paid for it, that, that go out and talk to folks that come out of their own pocket to help with things. You know, and the, the city doesn't have unlimited resources. And so we really do rely on these partnerships in the community. And that, that has just been so moving. And so the after actions are critical, but a lot of that after action has been informed by the ingenuity and the heart that we've seen while we're in the middle of it. And you, you both talked about, you know, the continuous evaluation and, and the AARs, the after action reviews for, for the process. Um, with the first attempt that took place to to assist individuals that were in front of the Cumberland County Library to the second attempt to uh, assist uh, those in need out near um, the Gillespie Street can you can you talk about you know the improvements or you, you know was it more successful the second time we did it based on the evaluations and can you talk about the collaboration efforts and bringing people together from the first time we did it to the second time we did it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, each encampment has its own different myriad levels of risk, right? And so there's different circumstances with each individual and they have different needs and they have a different life. So the, the complexity, you know, from the first encampment about a year ago um, over here in the downtown region, uh, we engaged eight people. And five of them went kind of through the process. Three of them actually went into, you know, supportive housing. And, and two of them, I believe, are actually in permanent supportive housing or permanent housing at this point, which is phenomenal. That's a 40% success rate. To the second encampment, at the, the largest one that was in the city at the uh, Martin Luther King and Gillespie um, Cloverleaf intersection there, uh, there was 28 people in that encampment. Um, and it kind of went up and down, but the risks were so immense there and then you add the complexity that there was 28 unique individual, mm-hmm. you know, is, uh, people with issues. 
And so we had to really lean on Shelly and her team and Fable Urban Ministry and so many other partners that came from the COC, from Cape Fear Regional Medical you know, areas, the EMS system with Cumberland County. Right. And it was a huge team event that took about two weeks just to get through once a determination was made that we were going to clear it. Um, and out of those 28, 15 of them are in houses right now. That is a statistic that is pretty interesting. And it took a lot of work and it did take a lot of resource. Uh, but now that area is safe. It's clean. Um, it is you know, uninhabitable. You can't go back and camp there. But those people that we were able to help that are in homes now are in a better situation. And the ones that were uh, not able to get into a house right away are also now in the process. Right. We've helped connect the dot between what's happening in those locations and the systems that are spread across the city. And you talked some about uh, leaning on Shelly and organizations like hers. Uh, Shelly, I might bridge then to kind of talk about your perspective on these things as they're uh, going out and doing this. I would say that what has been instrumental in the success of the IRP is really working with uh, Chris and Brooke and and the city of Fayetteville because they really, like Chris said, they wanted to help, right? It wasn't just about clearing the encampment. They wanted to house these individuals. They wanted to see them successful. And so they did. They were creative. They, we worked and thought of different ways how we could get um, them housed. They did have some uh, funding available to help, um, but they, they really wanted the best for those individuals. And so I think that that really showed through with how those individuals were treated and, and what we were able to accomplish as a group. And, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, the city and these, these entities were going through and just criminalizing homelessness and, and making it difficult, more difficult for the individuals who are involved in these locations. Uh, when in reality, exactly what you know, you and and Brooke highlighted that there were there's a unique story and a unique set of circumstances for each individual in this process. In, in each of these cases, um, can you talk about the humanitarian considerations and and you know, kind of you you started to talk about the compassion for. Um, all the partners involved. Can you can you talk to that? Yeah. So um, working through the the continuum of care and with other nonprofits as as well as the city, working with the unsheltered population, it is a very difficult task, and you really have to have a heart for it, and you have to be passionate about it if you want to do it well. Right. Yeah. And so it takes time. You can't just uh, go out and talk to them one time and think that they're going to trust you. I mean, it doesn't work for just the everyday person. So and with that population, because of all the things that have happened to them and how they have been treated um, by others, they're hesitant to open up and trust you. But if you're committed and you're patient and you're respectful and you Mm -hmm. treat them with dignity, then you're able to have more of an impact in their lives. And I think that that's what 
the nonprofits that traditionally work with this population have, and that's why they are in the business to do what they do. I just, I just want to underscore to that. I'm, I'm real not good at everything that she just described there. I'm, I'm good at following regulations and overseeing money and financials and making sure that the city uses taxpayer money wisely and, and, and in a manner that's, that's effective and, and is a good use of money. But I, I can't do that job. Uh, you know, and so having partners like Shelley and Cumberland Health Net and Fayetteville Urban Ministry who really do connect with people. One of Shelley's street outreach members, uh, th- the first camp that we did was right outside of my office. And I knew most of them folks by name. Um, but one day, uh, one of her street outreach workers drove up in a van and got out and went outside to talk to the guy and dropped down on his knees right in front of him where he was sitting so that he was at eye level to talk to him. And this was weeks and weeks of us talking about this one individual, and he actually started talking to people for the first time. Um, since then, you know, he, he hasn't been able to get into stable housing, but he has a lot of challenges and barriers. But he has been able to connect with nonprofits and people that genuinely care and do so much better than people like me do at working with those folks. And so having those partnerships in place is a huge part of this. Yeah, it, it, it really takes a, a, a special individual to be able to go out and, and do what you guys do and, and you know, don't, don't don't discredit yourself, Chris. We're all pieces of the puzzle to get this get this problem solved. But I'm, uh, I'm happy to be the money guy. You know, <laughs> that's I would be crying out on the street if I did if I did what they do. So but you're right. It it takes all of us, right? It, it's it's a community effort, yeah. and uh, it's going to take a community to to help solve it. So yeah, and to Chris's point, you know, I, I sit in on your guys' meeting, as as Brooke pointed out. Um, it, it's amazing to listen to the collaboration and and you know the concern, and just the ability, the way the way the partners talk about you know, what's going on on the street and being able to share information, just so that everyone has an awareness of. of you know, like you said, people, you get to know these people. I mean, they're, they're in essence, part of the community that, that we want to help and, you know, make Fayetteville a better place, and, and they're part of it. All right. Um, going from there, uh, how do we measure the impacts that this program makes in the lives of uh, the people we're working with? And Yeah. Uh, you know, I spoke to the fact that we have, cleared two high-risk encampments. And and I didn't say it earlier when I talked about the purpose and mission, but I want to reiterate it, that the Impact Reduction Program is a program designed to deal with emergent situations of public health and safety. So it's not designed to go and touch base and clear or displace every encampment in the city. Um, Like Chris spoke to about the law, we're not, you know, I'm part of it and I go into the field and I look at these encampments and assess the risk of them. And I I then talk to our EMS and fire partners to see if they see the same thing I do. We count the drug content, the needles on the ground. We see these different pieces that exist, but it doesn't mean that it's emergent. We can mitigate those risks. So we dispatch our public services and parks and rec, our our different entities in the city services to go and help clean up and remove trash. We've put trash cans at their locations. Uh, For a long time, the city had put um, portalettes out there, you know, uh, mobile bathrooms, lots of different things like that. But this program, again, is designed to mitigate the risks that are derived from, you know, unsheltered encampments in the city and ultimately 
if it's an emergency, it becomes emergent and we can't mitigate it anymore or lower that level of risk, we then act, act on the program and, and we'll clean, clear, and displace the, the individuals. Um, but how do we measure it, right? So there are active encampments in the city. Um, I believe the last point in time count put our unsheltered homeless number around 400 individuals, uh, but that's hard to measure on one day in January, uh, just to quote Chris that said it maybe a day or two ago. Uh, but that's a fact. There's 400 plus individuals that are living on the streets unsheltered. And we, as a program, through our partners, by, with, and through them, actually go and look at them and we talk to the individuals, we assess, and then we meet in the task force uh, once a month. Um, and we discuss the activities of these encampments. Who's, who's where they're at? Did we hear about this individual? Uh, how can we go over here and help this group of people that haven't been, you know, they have, they're a new encampment, they just showed up. Um, and so we continuously quantify the numbers of people we engage and the things that come out of those. Uh, we're only about a year into the data here, but again, over 28 people have been cleared from encampments. Um, actually, it's uh, closer to 35. Uh, 18 of them have been into some form of uh, transitional or supportive or permanent housing. Uh, the other individuals that didn't or have not got into that yet um, have done many different paths, but all of them have gone through the coordinated entry process. And that's just the, where the program was executed. The other encampments that weren't high risk, that were just normal encampments, you know, being passive, allowed us to take our outreach partners and take the groups of them and go engage. So we've made hundreds, thousands of engagements, you know, through our nonprofit partners. Uh, and so uh, hopefully the program will continue to go forward. But again, it's a limited resource program designed to deal with emergent risks. But we will continue to evolve and get there. One resource that did recently open here for us was the Day Resource Center. Can we talk about some of the numbers that we're seeing come out of there and some of the stories that we're seeing come out of there? Yeah, so uh, th this is a project that has uh, been quite a while in the making. Um, after the hurricanes, we, we noticed that there was a, a distinct problem um, or, or challenge with, with unsheltered individuals and how they recovered from those storms. Um, so the city was fortunate enough to get a grant uh, to, to start finding a location and building some type of resiliency and recovery center from the Department of Resiliency and Recovery at the state level. Um, and we found a location. We worked to take an abandoned building that had no longer, you know, been used in our community for quite some time and, and turn it into this, you know, just absolutely beautiful facility. Uh, recently, we opened that facility. And again, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not the best person to go in and do case management and social work. I'm real good at being trusted with the money and making sure the rules get followed. So, we looked out in our community and we did a, a request for anybody who was interested in running that facility and, and working with those populations. And just like with the encampment process and a lot of other homeless uh, initiatives in our community, Cumberland Health Net stepped up to the plate and they said, we'll do it. Um, now the city is helping to fund some of those operations and efforts, but the, the reliable nature of opening that center five days a week doing collaborative work with communities. It is not just Cumberland Health Net in the building, and that's a lot of what Shelley's gonna talk about. But just to kind of tell you how that project got started and where Cumberland Health Net comes into it, they have taken on the responsibility and the burden of making that sure that center is successful for our community and stewarding a multi-million dollar investment by the city. 
Yeah, so the, the Day Resource Center is a, a multi, multidisciplinary center that's designed to provide resources to those that are unsheltered or those that are at risk of uh, becoming unsheltered. So we have um, partnered with uh, Mana Church, Mana Dream Center, and they provide lunches there uh, Monday through Friday. And um, in August, they did 1,200 lunches. Uh, September, because we opened August 21st. So September, 2,846 lunches. So we're averaging, they're averaging about 150 lunches a day. We also have um, a partner uh, action pathways through the um, Second Harvest Food Bank. They have a representative there that's doing SNAP benefits. Um, we have Goshen Mobile Medical Unit that comes on Mondays to provide free medical service services to the, our, our population. And then we have other various uh, partners that can do um, peer support, um, case management, resume writing, that kind of thing. We also provide uh, laundry services and showers. Um, and the population has the ability to just come into the center. They don't have to come in and do something. They can just come in and rest if they need to. Because again, as I said earlier, you have to be able to build a relationship. So if they're coming every day and we're getting to know them, we're building a relationship with them. And then eventually we'll be able to understand what their needs are and then help them. All right. Uh, and what are some of the other resources we have available for people in the city that might be displaced or well, there are, um, Salvation Army has a shelter um, that's for single women, single men, and families. Um, Man, a Dream Center has a men's shelter. Um, there is a transitional housing. So I, I think that's a really good place to, to kind of, as we wrap up this conversation, um, there are not enough resources in this community for our homeless population. Folks like Cumberland Health Net with Shelly at the lead are doing the best they can on a shoestring budget with very specific grant money that only allows them to do specific things. Um, these nonprofits rely on collaboration from the community and support from the community. Uh, homelessness is not a city problem. It's not a county problem. It is a community-wide problem, and it is something that we have to work as a community together. I'm hoping in the next couple of years that we see the city and the county the health uh, services from Cape Fear Valley, the court system, everyone rallied around these types of challenges so that we can come up with collaborative solutions that work here in Fayetteville for our community. All right. And I want to thank you all so much for coming out today. We are kind of pushing our timeline here, but uh, that wraps it up for this episode of the Fayetteville 411. The Fayetteville 411 is one of several podcasts that the city produces for our podcast channel, Radio Fayetteville, as we provide timely and informative updates every week on a variety of topics related to the city of Fayetteville. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fayetteville on Apple iTunes, the iTunes podcast app, as well as the Google Play Music podcast portal. You can also listen to every podcast that Radio Fayetteville has to offer by downloading the Fay TV streaming app, available now on Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. You can view all our video content by visiting FayTV.net. And to get more information about the city's services, go over to our website at FayetteVilleNC.gov. Thanks for joining us.